Hello and welcome back to Count Her In. We are super excited and honored to have Kasha here on the podcast today. Uh, Kasha is the founder of the Global Sunrise Project and is an award-winning Gen Z documentary filmmaker, which is absolutely amazing. And we're so excited for the conversation today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Super excited to be here. Yeah, so are we. We are just like the creative energy I feel like I'm getting from you already is already just amazing. So I'm so excited to get into it. Um, but before we do, of course, we start off each of our counter in episodes with asking our guests, what is something that you're bringing to the table, both literally with our cheer, the reference, but then also figuratively. So what sort of energy, your spirit, value, idea, mindset do you hope to bring to the podcast? And I guess like the rest of your day today. Um, so literally in terms of food or drink, I'm bringing coffee, which is a great start for the, the morning. Um, it's morning here in Toronto, Canada, and I have a lot of symbolism in my project around hope and optimism. Uh, the sunrise literally being kind of a metaphor for a fresh new start, a, a chance to make a difference every day. So that's what I'm bringing to the table. I love that. Are you more of a sunrise person or more of a sunset person? Ironically, um, very much more a sunset person. <laughs> I love being up in the morning, but I don't like waking up in the morning. So. That is fair. Very, yeah. very, very fair, for sure. What about you, Waylon? What are you bringing to the table today, both literally and figuratively? I think I'm bringing, what am I bringing today? Mm, I think I'm going to bring gratitude that's a classic for us here on the podcast but um, I've really been feeling the weight and the reflection of gratitude especially on college campuses as everyone starts to get in the thick of it um, so definitely want to take a moment and appreciate just having this conversation today um, and enjoying the beautiful morning um, and then literally I am bringing what am I bringing today I have a cute little succulent in my room it's not a food or a drink but she's she's doing well <laughs> what Waylon's about you actually, Ali? I'm so vegan now Waylon's actually eating succulents that's what's going on no. breaking news <laughs> breaking news we eat succulents absolutely not um so today so I'm Jewish and I was fellow writing Yom Kippur today which um, unlike any other Jewish holiday where we celebrate eating, this is the one holiday we don't eat. So no food and water for 25 hours did not hit with me. First of all, I drink so, so, so much water in general. And I also just love food. So I just break, broke my fast. It was funny. Um, it was like a break fast breakfast theme. So I had some like breakfast burritos, the fruit, the jams. That was really lovely. So now I'm just like sipping on some water because I feel very dehydrated. So that's what I'm bringing literally. Figuratively, I'm feeling ideas of feeling present. I feel like I have a lot of things that are always going on in my life. And I think last semester, especially, I was like, let's do them all at once. And I felt like I was never either present in like my classes because I was thinking about something else or when I was like doing something else and I got to do my schoolwork. But now this semester, as I'm in school, I'm really proud and like at peace with myself to be very present in the moment with whatever I'm doing and being able to be like, no, this is only this time to do this and like solely focus on that instead of feeling like I'm like half ass everything. So yeah, presence, that's definitely where I'm leading today. So it's sunset or past sunset here actually, um, but Kasha is working, starting the day now in Toronto, which I do miss very, very much um, with the sun, Sunrise Project. So First of all, just tell us, tell us, what do you need to know about it? What is the one minute elevator pitch about it and why and how did you get started with it? 
Um, so I like to say the Global Sunrise Project is a media hub for social good. So we create um, films, photography exhibits, and books and social media campaigns that are solution-oriented in nature um, as an alternative to kind of the mainstream media's very um, often sensationalized and stereotypical uh, single-lens view of the world. Um, we often miss a lot of the stories of grassroots efforts to make positive change that are happening, um, which I think we need to see more represented um, because they give us the courage to take action in our own way. So um, that got started at 14 when I attended my very first um, UN Commission on the Status of Women, a gender oh equality. <laughs> so that's like, that's where I got the inspiration. It was just from meeting people on the ground who were, who were dedicated gender equality advocates. Um, and it just inspired me to use my own passions um, to make a difference, hopefully. <laughs> Oh, cool. Oh my God. I think it's so amazing to hear how people start so early with these things. And it doesn't start at like, oh, I want to make money. I want to be famous. It's like, you literally just have a passion. And then later in life, people are like, oh wait, like that's a company. You're like, really? Like, wait, that was just like kind of what I like to do. Exactly. Um, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit. Like when I was eight, I, you know, started to sell these body sugar scrubs that I would call like, and or I, they were like Kasha's sweet scrub that I would sell to like fundraise for local charities. And, you know, that's how I got my passion in photography was I used that to also fundraise for my first camera. So that was like, it was always something I was just very like growing up as a kid. I think I, I saw something and I wanted to try it. So I just, you know, monkey see monkey do, I would kind of go for it. <laughs> I love that so much. I think it's so important to recognize those early like inklings of entrepreneurship. Ali and I always ask our podcast guests, like, where did you see like those little seedlings of entrepreneurship? And sometimes our podcast guests really struggle with that question, because I think a lot of females don't identify themselves as entrepreneurs, especially that early on. So I definitely really re resonate and respect you for like using the word and really redefining what that looks like in our world today. Um, I also want to highlight that your like projects and the films that you've made, like one of them has won 18 awards internationally. What was that like? Um, thank you. I, um, I will update it because I'm probably, I'm probably behind on my, um, on my website like refreshes um we are currently sitting at 30 which is oh my god really it's really hard for me to like accept and I'm sure you hear this a lot from other you know female entrepreneurs that like imposter syndrome is definitely very real and oh yeah. and sometimes it's not so much those concrete measures of success that have like really impacted me as much as like hearing from people who have been emotionally moved by my work but it is also like in that sense, it is also like a validation that hopefully this film um, means something to other people and um, and that other people have gotten to see it and enjoy it and learn from it. So um, I think that that's really special to me. Which film and why was most impactful to you personally? Mm -hmm. um, the the 30 awards or was another one, which one do you find you most resonated with? So currently I have the one that I've made fully. That was the, so the Sunrise Storyteller. 
uh, is the feature documentary that I set out to make when I was um, 16. Uh, at first, it wasn't going to be a documentary. Um, it was just going to be a photography project about, you know, grassroots leaders, um, people, you know, also social entrepreneurs in their own right, um, who are making a difference in their community despite all odds. Um, and it morphed into this feature length film that we've been able to screen at um, film festivals and at universities and high schools. Um, and I'm currently working on another documentary that I can tell you more about later. But yeah, that's um, that's the one that I've worked on and, and just spent so much time with like making sure that it hits the right audiences and, you know, finds its, its way with the right people. Um, that's amazing. And where did your filmmaking kind of passion start? So I know you mentioned you used to sell like your photographs for money for your first camera, but I know like photography and videography are like completely two different fields. So how did you get into both? Um, where do you feel like your passion lies? Um, and what was it like filming your first documentary? Um, so that's a great question. It's also one of those like strange early origin things where, you know, when I was a kid, I just kind of tended to always be with some sort of like disposable camera or like one of those tiny little, you know, point and shoots. Um, and I would just kind of love documenting moments that made me happy. Um, and so when I was 14, I that's when I kind of realized that I could use it to actually uh, combine it with this passion that I had for, um, you know, making the world a better place and uh, documenting stories of other people who were doing that. Um, and so, when I, I guess, first started getting into it as a, as a tool for myself was when I, when I attended that conference, I was like the delegate blogger and I would go around and, you know, try and get to know people and take their photographs and try and write about their stories and, and my learnings from, from the experience. So um, I guess the filmmaking aspect is something that I never really realized I could do until somebody um, suggested it to me that the stories that I would like to share might actually translate and resonate with people better if they were in a film. And I was like, okay, I have no film experience. Mm, I'm going to try it. <laughs> Go for it. I was like, so let's take a weekend editing course in travel video, um, travel video making for like okay. bloggers and then use those skills that I accumulated to go out into the world and somehow I was going to make a documentary. I think I had a lot of um, courage. I don't know where it came from, but I was definitely um, learning as I went. So you traveled all over the world for this documentary, which I just think is the dream. Like I am someone who just loves traveling, pick a train, plane, automobile, whatever, and just go somewhere and meeting people, sharing stories. Which of these places did you find that you were able to hear the most authentic and honestly stories that challenge your preconceived notions of what you that thought you thought that place was be, would be like or what you thought that country that town that city was like I'm curious to hear how your own personal perspective was changed while you were on the ground filming um well I would say before I went out um I was met more so with the preconceived notions of other people um mm -hmm. who might have tried to stop me from from going and traveling the world um by saying oh you're going to they would, you know, generalize Africa's a continent, of course. They're like, you're going to Africa. 
yeah as a country yeah. sorry as a, as a country sorry <laughs> I mean Africa is a continent um of course generalize Africa as a country and be like oh you're going to Africa be careful it's dangerous like and yes there's a certain amount of social like like physical and like awareness that you have to keep when you're traveling anywhere Toronto is just the same like um I have to keep my wits about me but you know I I really getting to spend a couple months in each place it each place managed to open itself up to me in a new way and I learned so much about the people who were living there um and I think that that also kind of you know that experience was really eye-opening to me as a as a young global citizen budding global citizen to like nurture the, those values of uh caring for for your whole world as kind of your your local citizens like you should care for everybody just as much as you might care for your neighbor or your individual community because uh, we all do share this one planet together um so I guess what I learned in the process was um I guess it's just to be open-minded and um, also not take everything that you hear in the news or, you know, in mainstream media for face value, because there's so much nuance and complexity in, in terms of stories and people's experiences that are often missing from those, from those um, stories that you'll see online. I love totally. that. I think that even when you're like speaking on this podcast, I can really feel like your reflective nature and your real nature to try to understand um, and empathize with the people and the places that you go to. So I definitely want to check out your documentary um, and hopefully watch it. Ali and I will do a watch party as we usually do. Um, but what does it mean to be a global sunriser to you? I think to me, the mandate of being a global sunriser is, um, I think, so I'm going to start by saying that we are faced with a lot of complex issues, um, a lot of issues that are overwhelming to us as young people that sometimes we can reflect and feel like, okay, these issues are way too big. I'm just one person. I can't really take on the weight of the world. Um, but to me, the, the man mandate of being a global sunriser is to wake up and do your best every day. Um, do one thing every day that helps make the world a better place, even if that's, you know, taking space for your own mental health, um, because we know that that can ripple out to the world around us and to our local communities. Um, but, you know, I think that it's really about finding the resilience to make a difference. And um, because it can, it can be overwhelming and tiring work to try and make a positive change as, you know, cliche as that might sound, but, I think that's what it means to me. We also have like a full manifesto on our website on the global sunrise project.com, uh, which kind of outlines some of the, the pillars of uh, being a global sunriser. Absolutely. I think there's two things that you just mentioned that really resonate with me. The first being the fact that like that little bit over the day, because same with like with same with what Waylon and I are kind of going through right now with the Entrepreneurs Network. It's not like there's like a metric that we need to hit or we need to hit this thing. It's more of this long-term vision of being a network for and by female entrepreneurs, this connection, this, this an opportunity for resources and gratitude and graciousness of being able to be in this, this club or this community where people feel like they're able to share each other's stories and highlight and support other female entrepreneurs. And that doesn't change overnight. And same with people who understand 
their perception on different countries in Western Africa that doesn't change overnight. I know firsthand I came to Canada every single year and twice a year with Hong Kong and you know people how they think of China are you running pandas to school do you water like these I would go to camp in the Canada they thought it was crazy coming from China and like those perceptions don't change over time so having that like little bit over time there's like a story it's like there was this rock I think this might be like a bible story but like the tour of it like there is like a rock and there's like a, a drip dropping and like it doesn't change over time but like it's like over 40 years whatever like it makes a hole something like that but um just in general it's like the little changes do happen over time especially with big social changes like that doesn't happen overnight especially when you're doing good doing good doesn't happen overnight so yeah I really do appreciate that um yeah so what is like the big mission what what do you hope what do you have like a big hairy audacious goal or any like huge goal that you want to do or achieve I'm curious to hear I mean so with the sunrise storyteller I am hoping like this is a long-term vision of mine that or even short term, let's put it out that hopefully it'll, you know, see itself manifest, manifest in the short term. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I would love to get the film into at least a hundred schools in Canada. I mean, like outreach is really it's slow and tedious work. Yeah. Um, but I really want to get it out to as many schools as possible in Canada, but also the US, uh, countries around the world. I think it's a really great educational tool. And, you know, we also offer um, workshops so that young people can kind of reflect on how their skills can be used, like their skills and passions can be used to apply to social issues that they already care about. So very much the way that I kind of came into social justice work was, and, you know, entrepreneurship was that way, like, you know, photography being the most natural way for me to express my care for the world. Um, so hopefully other students can kind of think about how they can also do something similar with their own passions. Um, and then, you know, long-term the Global Sunrise Project, I just wanna continue making films that inspire and move people to make a difference in their own communities and contribute um, to positive social change. So that's my vision. I love that so much. Um, and I think I often forget that you're like, you're very young as well. Like you're not like, you like speak like you're 30, but like, <laughs> I definitely hear like the words of wisdom for someone who's, who's Gen Z. And I think it's, um, I think it's amazing the work that you're doing. I would love to hear more about the new upcoming exciting projects that you're working on. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently in kind of an editing phase of the trailer for my new documentary. Um, we're kind of doing it backwards though. So, you know, the trailer is going to come out and be a fundraising tool for full production on my new film, 1.5 Degrees of Peace. So this film is something that's very personal to me as, you know, kind of an older Gen Z living at this time. Um, I guess I'm 23, I'm 23 now, so I'm kind of on the higher end of the spectrum, but regardless, <laughs> I'm still a young person living so, the threat of climate change. Um, and, you know, the climate crisis is this, talk about overwhelming, um, this huge overwhelming issue that we're going to have to face in our time. Um, but also something that, you know, we don't think about often in terms of talking about the climate crisis is how much um, conflicts and militarism can often play a role in contributing to, you know, 
the root causes of the issue. Um, and so peace and climate justice are very, very linked in, in, in terms of, they just intersect, right? So, um, so the whole mission of this film is to reframe that issue for young people, to get them caring about peace um, and, you know, to bring movements together um, because if we work in silos, we're not gonna achieve anything we want to in this lifetime. Um, so yeah, this is, a, it's a very near and dear film to my heart because I grew up in kind of the local Canadian peace movement. Um, my mom is a peace activist in her own right. And wow. so I kind of grew up under her wing. Um, so, you know, we're gonna be fundraising for full production. Hopefully that film will come, come out in the next year, year and a half. Um, and so, you know, same trajectory with the previous film, want to continue to do like, impact outreach, um, educational resources for youth um, so that they can get on the ground and actually advocate for these um, two really important issues together. So, yeah. So between doing these amazing films and changing the world, do you ever engage in like the more like casual films? Like, you know, like some TikToks, are you vibing? Like, what do you, what do, you do to relax, have fun? Like, yeah. where do you find the balance between like kind of stepping back from the world and like having these like, external like conflicts like honestly doing the work that like our world leaders should be doing but then also just being a 23 year old having fun in Toronto like where do you find that balance um I'm very like I'm pretty strict about my work-life balance um in terms of like dedicating time for my friendships and for my relationship and you know my family and those things are really important to me but I my screen time is way too high admit it like I think my <laughs> screen time the past couple weeks was like COVID wasn't helpful with that as well no absolutely not so I'm definitely like I watch a lot of TikToks I will not be creating them (laughs) definitely not in my nature to be in front of a camera (laughs) more so behind um but in terms of things I love to do like to unwind I love to hike I love reading I love just going for coffees with my friends going for drinks with my friends like we've we love to make meals together and just, you know, enjoy each other's company. And that's kind of, I really love the simple things. And um, it definitely helps me calm down from a very overstimulating um, online space and activism space sometimes. What's your favorite thing to do in your downtime? So I know you mentioned getting meals with friends. Do you have a favorite cuisine, favorite type of food? Uh, that's... That's a good question. Um, I'm lucky in Toronto that we kind of have so many mixes of everything. Like we'll have, we have uh, Little India, we have uh, Greek town, we have, you know, Chinatown, we have. So I think I try to make it a mission to try something new pretty often on a rotation. So I don't have <laughs> as boring an answer that is. I don't have a distinct favorite. No, that's awesome. I love how you're able to mix it up as well. I think it's fun to be able to try new things and just do that in general. So you're really good at filmmaking. Objectively, let's say you're really good at filmmaking. What is something in that you are trying now that's outside your comfort zone that you don't think you're kind of like an expert at per se, but it's something that you're interested in exploring and something you're just, you're testing out. Yeah. Uh, for this film, I have to kind of film myself a little bit, which is, that's probably my biggest fear. Um, so 
because this film is very personal to me, I think coming at it from a Gen Z lens, like as somebody experiencing the climate crisis, um, or, you know, not the direct effects yet, because Canada is not, or Toronto is not necessarily seeing the extreme uh, weather events that the rest of the world might be, um, just seeing it unfold around the world. Um, reflecting on that and connecting to like my other fellow Gen Z's who are also kind of experiencing that anxiety at the same time. It's something that I have to really get comfortable with because, you know, we, we need to make this a personal, like as much as this is a world issue, this is a personal issue that a lot of people are, you know, faced with. So it's definitely far out of my comfort zone to be on camera talking about it but it's something that I'm trying out and I'm learning. Um, and so hopefully, you know, that is kind of useful for other young people to see is somebody who's definitely um, had her share of anxiety and um, fears about where, where we're headed as a, as a world. Um, I feel like I'm rambling a bit about it, but you know, it's because <laughs> the idea of filming actually makes me so nervous. <laughs> but I, I'm trying it from what do you think that what do you think you've always been nervous around film and like does that cause you like anxiety with like the idea of just being on camera or is it it being projected I'm curious to hear like where you think it kind of stems from oh I I know that that's like this without turning this into a therapy session I think I'm definitely also it can be <laughs> which I'm also it often like, is definitely afraid of the judgment of other people like that's something that I think that's probably the biggest like hindrance to any sort of growth for me is like okay putting myself out there is scary like especially if it's something I care about like it is really it's hard when you when you spend so much time with something very personal to you to like put it out into the world and and let it exist um beyond just your intentions yeah it's like a baby like sharing with the world like it's difficult like having a project that you know you really care about you're passionate about like it's scary and like the judgment is there Waylon do you do you resonate with any of this does this yeah for sure I think that first of all we are growing up in one of the most judgmental like groups of people ever like I feel like Gen Z with cancel culture and also the like instantaneous ability to respond and judge someone on face value um, is a lot of pressure. So I definitely resonate a lot with like even starting this podcast, I feel like Ali and I had to get over the hump of like, some people will think it's embarrassing. Some people will think it's not cool. Some people will think that like, it's just like a stupid idea, right? And so getting over those humps and like, which was ridiculous in the first place, but place that they exist but getting over those and really pursuing something that you're passionate about and then in terms of like vulnerability I think for me I definitely resonate a lot with this idea that like it's scary to put something important out there and it's scary to like show the world something that you're passionate about because when you're showing the world like a math equation or something very like hard and like factual like it's less scary because it doesn't relate as much to you yeah. And so in any way that we can support, I think Ali and I are here to cheer you on. Um, do you feel like this fear of like judgment from other people, do you think that resonates with um, like imposter syndrome at all for you? I think definitely. Cause like, I, you know, 
I taught myself everything that I kind of know and I never went to film school. I still like, I still get the question pretty often. Are you going to university? Like what's, did you graduate? Like, did you graduate university? Are you going, did you graduate high school? Like, what are your plans? Like, when are you going to like go pursue something, I guess maybe more like valued, like so people people do value the work that I do but I think oftentimes you need sometimes the the credentials or the experience to prove that you're um which you don't need the paperwork it. yeah paperwork to prove that like you have the skills um but I'm unlearning that definitely that I don't need to have that that you know proof that I have yes. I have my my time and experience of the past like seven years absolutely um, that, I love it proud thank you yeah so yeah. it's definitely something I'm I'm conf- like dealing with in myself um and yeah, yeah unpacking. Sure. I think also as um like I'm guessing the filmmaking space is predominantly like male and something that we see on like the startup space a lot is that um, females often when they pitch their startups or they pitch their um, their companies, investors will ask them different questions. And most of those questions will revolve around how will you fail faster rather than how will you succeed faster? Um, and then on the comparative, when men pitch, they often get asked like, where do you see revenue growth? Like, how do you see this project succeeding? And so drawing kind of like parallels between your story and stories that we've heard in the past, like I think that the world um, definitely needs to see the value of like unique paths and unique career paths um, because your story is absolutely incredible. Um, Where do you feel like you want to change the world for young female Gen Z filmmakers? think that it you know we're seeing the filmmaking space become much more accessible um by the way that technology is just changing at a crazy fast rate but I think funding definitely is a key area that we're seeing like um huge inequality for women for women of all like um gender identities, or sorry, for people of all gender identities, for women, um, for people of all races, you know, disabilities, whatever, ethnicity, religion. I think that we're seeing, you know, here in Canada, I think we tend to have this problem where the same people get funded a lot of the time. And there's, I'm seeing like government efforts to kind of diversify that, but overall it's just, there's not enough funding to go around. And so it tends to get funneled into a lot of the same places. Um, and new talent, I think, needs to be um, fostered and, and nurtured. Yeah. And you can't, you can't nurture new talent unless you're paying for it um, because filmmaking is expensive to do. Like yeah. you have to pay for your, your living expenses, but production is um crazy like talk about if you're talking about startup costs to make a film it's it's so expensive so um as much as you can go out with your iphone i think to make a like production that's of a high quality like and value um it's definitely there's a barrier uh for a lot of people so funding is definitely something we need to see um change in the in the canadian uh space i love that how do you think yeah just challenging now how do you think you could make a 
movie or a documentary or film that highlights that, like the need to fund others, like where do you see that as even a possibility? Like, could you do something about that? Um, I feel like I'd, I could definitely talk to a lot of young aspiring female filmmakers um, in, in Canada and in the US and around the world um, because um, there's so many of us who are trying to, I think it's, it's a, we're trying to make it, we're trying to, you know, make things that matter and make things that have meaning to other people. So, I mean, it's definitely something that could, um, I could see living in a, a short series online. I think it would be cool to break down something like that. Absolutely. It'd be so cool. Yeah. Who knows? Manifesting that for the future, for sure, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and to, as we begin to wrap up the podcast, we love to ask our guests, um, what is something that you want to leave on the table? So five to 10 years from now, a young female entrepreneur enters the table, sits down. What do you want to leave for her? Um, trust your vision and um, go for it. Love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming up to the podcast. It was so lovely chatting with you, feeling inspired, feeling like I need to watch a good documentary right now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's a good one I should watch? Do you have any recommendations and how you want us to watch it in any way? Good question. Um, well, I'm, I happen to know the filmmaker of The Sunrise Storyteller. <laughs> oh my God. No way. Um, and she told me that... <laughs> Well, the best way you can watch the Sunrise Storyteller right now is if you're, you know, if you're a student, book an educational screening, um, community screening with a club that you are a part of. Um, so we're doing classroom assembly or community screenings right now. Um, and that's the best way. So you can reach out to us through the globalsunriseproject.com. Uh, there's a form to fill out. And yeah, we're definitely taking requests right now. That's fantastic. Oh my goodness. Okay. I will definitely reach out. I think it'd be great to share it anyway, Shanghai and just around the world. I'm so excited. Thanks so much. Yeah, I would love that. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Kasha and the world of Gen Z filmmaking. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female Gen Z entrepreneurs on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Network community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey.